Hey everyone, thanks for joining us at Liberty Grace Online this morning. Uh, just a reminder to you, uh, you can join us in person at the church. We're having services at 9.45 and 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. So if you feel comfortable, you can come out to the church and join us. Uh, we'll also be continuing to make these online videos each week and, and putting this content online if you can't join us in person. So hopefully this has been beneficial to you as we, we continue to, to do this online. We're continuing this morning in our study on growing up. How do we mature in our relationship with Jesus? And last week, Pastor Doug shared with us about growing up with help. How do we help each other to grow closer to Jesus? And we looked at the biblical example of Paul and Timothy. If you remember, Paul was a mature Christian, and Timothy was just a, a young Christian. And Paul took Timothy under his wing, and Paul spent time with Timothy, and, and Paul trained and taught Timothy and, and helped, guide it, helped to guide him to grow up and be a more mature Christian. And the application for us was that wherever we're at in our Christian walk, we need Paul's and we need Timothy's in our life. That we need people that we can look up to, the people that we can learn from to help us grow. And we also need people less mature than us that we can be teaching, instructing, and guiding and, and helping them to grow. And this is an awesome thing that we get to be a part of, mentoring each other and, and helping all of us grow closer to Jesus. And I, I think this is a, a, such a hugely important thing. We, we just made it through a, a presidential election. Uh, I'm actually recording this Friday, so hopefully by the time you watch this Sunday that we have determined who our next president is, hopefully. Uh, but we, we made it through this uh, election cycle, and there was a bunch of rhetoric on both sides. But I think one thing both sides agreed on is we, we need to see some changes in our country. And I had the opportunity to share with you guys two weeks ago that that change is not going to come mostly through political leaders. That if we really want to see godly change in our country, it comes through us as individuals growing closer to Jesus and us helping other people grow closer to Jesus, to, to allow God to change hearts and lives. And mentoring is a huge piece of how we get to participate in that and how we get to affect that change. And so I hope you took that challenge last week seriously, and, and you've been thinking about that and, and seeking to apply that to your life. And so that's where we were the last couple weeks. But let's move on to where we are this week. And this week, I want to talk about confrontation. Because as we step into that mentoring role, as we're trying to affect change in other people and help other people grow, as we're trying to affect change in our culture, it means that at some point we're going to have to tell individuals or, or groups of people that something in their life has to change. Something in their life has to be different. And when we tell somebody they need to change, that's confrontation, right? To step up and tell them, you, you need to make a change. Something needs to be different here. And so if we're going to make a difference, then confrontation is inevitable. 
And now if you're like me, when you hear that word confrontation, the first thing you think of is, is harsh and bitter confrontation. And hopefully, through what we learned this morning, we can avoid some of that. But man, we, we live in a world where that's just constantly around us. Harsh, harsh confrontation. If you want to see it firsthand, just post anything mildly controversial on your Facebook page. And watch your comments section just explode. And, and the, the back and forth and the bitterness and the anger and the fighting. And so what I, I really want us to look at and think about this morning is how do we do confrontation without it always being harsh and bitter? We might not always be able to avoid that, but how can we sometimes avoid that harshness and, and actually be more effective and helping people make changes to, to grow closer to Jesus. And so we'll, we'll dig into God's Word this morning and look at what it says about that. Two quick things before we do that, though. First of all, I am by no means the expert on handling confrontation. This is something I'm still working on and still really trying to process through and apply in my own life. Uh, there's definitely times, I'll, I'll admit to you, where... I'm overly judgmental and harsh in my assessment in my own mind of people. That I sometimes just look at people too harshly and judgmentally. And at other times when I'm in one-on-one -on -one interaction with people, sometimes I can be too soft and, and let things go and, and not be firm on the truth like I should be at times. And so this is still something I'm trying to work through and, and piece together. And I spent a ton of time thinking about this and praying about this this week. Like, what, what does this look like in my life? What can I share with you guys? And, and so that kind of goes into the second thing I, I want to say quick is that by no means this morning, or whenever you're watching this, but by no means am I presenting to you the, the full and complete biblical guide to confrontation. This is just some some thoughts, some guidance that God has shown me through His Word and that I want to share with you. And, and I encourage you to continue thinking about this, continue praying about this, continue to examine God's Word on this, and continue to struggle on your own to apply this and process through this and, and figure out what this looks like in your own life. But hopefully this morning we can hear some guidance from God's Word to, to get us started on that process. So what, what does the Bible say to us about confrontation? The first passage I want to go to is Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to start Matthew chapter 7 at verse 1. Because this is a verse that's uh, thrown out a lot uh, uh, on the topic of confrontation and uh, it's often thrown at Christians uh, on the topic of confrontation. Look at Matthew 7, starting in verse 1. Judge not that you not be judged. And a lot of times people throw out this verse and their application is, well, Jesus said, judge not, so you can't judge me. You, you can't tell me what to do or not do. And everybody should really just do whatever they feel is best. Whatever they feel is right, that's what they should do. Nobody else can tell them any differently. And if we take this verse just in complete isolation, just completely by itself, 
uh, we could take that application from it. It does say there, judge not. But this verse is a good application for us, a good example for us, that we need to understand the context to really understand a verse. We have to understand how it fits with the verses immediately around it, and we need to understand how it fits in to the total context of the Bible. And so if we look at that this morning, we're, we're going to see that that argument, you, you can't ever judge me, you can't ever tell me what to do, everybody should just do what they feel is right, is not what Jesus is saying here in this verse. First of all, if we look at the overall context of the Bible, the Bible is pretty clear all the way throughout the Bible that God has a, an objective, universal standard for all mankind. That God sets forth for us in the Bible a moral code that we as human beings are to live by. And it's not a code that's determined by any man. It is a code that God has spoken to us through His Word. And it clearly says some things are right and some things are wrong. And now, to be fair, in some areas the Bible gives us freedom. We, we can make our own choice what's beneficial for us, what's harmful for us in some areas. But in a lot of other areas, the Bible is very clear, black and white, this is wrong, this is right. And so, we have this overall universal objective standard. Well, one thing I want to say quick about that universal objective standard, God's moral code for us, one thing we need to understand quick, and Pastor Doug has talked about this in the past, so I won't spend a ton of time on it, but we need to understand that God is the creator of the universe. God is the creator of you or I. He has given you and I life. And so God as creator didn't just on a whim say, oh, you should do this and you should, shouldn't do that. God as creator said, here, here is how I designed you to live. Here is how I designed your world to work. Here, here is how you can best utilize the life that I've given you. The example I use with the teens all the time is of a, a user manual or a, a user guide, right? An instruction manual. That when you get an iPhone, it comes with a user guide. Uh, nowadays, you usually have to dig through the Apple website to find it if you really want it, but it's out there. There's a user guide for your iPhone. And Apple doesn't put that out there just because there's some evil corporation that wants to tell you what to do. They put that out there because they designed your iPhone. And they want to say, hey, we designed this. Here's the best way for you to use it. And it's the same way with God and the moral code that he gives us in the Bible. He says, I designed you. This is the best way to use the life that I've given you. And so we need to understand that. This is a, a user's guide from a loving God. And so we have this moral code, this universal objective standard. The second thing we understand from the full context of the Bible is that at times in the Bible, uh, a person steps up and speaks to another person or to a group of people to tell them, that they need to abide by God's universal objective standard for all mankind. At times in the Bible, people step up and confront other people with God's moral code. 
A couple of examples I thought of. Galatians 2. Paul confronts Peter. These two church leaders. Peter has made some mistakes. He's, he's been inconsistent in some ways and, and a hypocrite in some ways. And Paul calls him out on it. He says you're, you're not living up to what you should be. In Ephesians 6, 4, Peter instructs fathers to instruct and to discipline their children, to correct their children. Right? That, that children need that guidance and instruction, that confrontation sometimes. In John 4, Jesus confronts a Samaritan woman at a well. Jesus says to her, go and call your husband. And the woman says, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, you speak rightly, because you, you've actually had five husbands, and the dude you're living with right now isn't your husband. That Jesus boldly confronts this lady. Uh, Jesus repeatedly boldly confronts the religious leaders of his day, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Even at one point he says, you guys are whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones. That's not a very flattering description. And Jesus is very boldly confronting them. In the Old Testament, Nathan the prophet confronts King David. David had sinned and committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband murdered. And Nathan comes to him and tells him what, what he did was wrong. That God is displeased with his actions. And so we see this type of confrontation of a person going to another person or group of people all throughout the Bible to say God has a standard. You're not living up to that standard. And so we can see clearly through those two things that Jesus is not saying here that we can't at times confront people. Jesus is not saying that everybody can just do what they feel is, is best and right, but there is a standard that we're to follow, and sometimes it's right for us to confront people, to, to confront our culture with God's standard. And so what is Jesus saying? What advice is Jesus giving us about confrontation in Matthew 7? Look back there again, and we'll start verse 1 again. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do you not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That Jesus doesn't say that we should never confront others, but he says before you confront somebody else, Make sure you've checked yourself. Make sure things are, are right in your life, in your heart, before you go and, and speak to somebody else about their life and their heart. And specifically, Jesus tells us in this passage to check two things. First of all, Jesus repeatedly in verse 2 talks about the standard or the measure. Jesus says we, we need to know the measure by which we should be judging ourselves and other people. And that means we need to know God's standard. We, we need to know the Bible. We need to know the moral code that God has put forth in this book. We need to know what the Bible says, and, and we need to know as well what the Bible doesn't say. 
Right? Sometimes we, we, we say stuff that maybe we've heard in Sunday school or we've been taught somewhere else and, and we really press people on that. But are, are we actually sure that's in the Bible? Right? Sometimes we maybe press people on stuff that the Bible doesn't actually say. And I'm not challenging you to question everything you've ever heard or been taught, but make sure you know what the standard you're presenting is the standard that's actually presented in the Bible. Make sure we know what the Bible says and doesn't say. Make sure we can explain what the Bible says and why it says it. And guys, if we don't do this, if we don't know the standard, we're going to end up being like that guy at the football game who's yelling at the coach and the referee, but obviously has no clue anything about football. I'm sure if you've been to a, a many high school football games or junior high football games, you, you've probably heard that guy, right? He's up in the stands and he's yelling all game and, and he's yelling at the refs. And, and if you know anything about football, you're listening to him and you're going, buddy, what, what, what you're saying doesn't even work. Right? He's there yelling at the refs, oh, throw a pass interference penalty on that play. And you're like, dude, it, it was a running play. You can't throw a pass interference. Right? He just sounds like an idiot because he has no clue what he's talking about. And sadly, that's how we can sound sometimes to other people and to our culture if, if we're out there trying to impress a standard that we don't even know or understand ourselves that we aren't even clear where and why the Bible says that that's the standard. And so, first of all, we've got to know the standard. We, we have to know God's Word. And then we have to remember that that standard is universal. That means it doesn't just apply to them, but it applies to me as well. And we need to, first of all, make sure we are applying God's standard to ourselves. Jesus uses the object lesson there of, a guy who's got a, a two-by-four in his eye, but yet he's fussing over his buddy that has a little speck of sawdust in his eye. You need to take care of that two-by-four in your eye before you can fuss around with the speck in somebody else's eyes. Guys, we need to make sure we're applying God's standard to ourselves. We need to make sure we're, we're living up to that standard ourselves before we start to apply it to somebody else. And now, Jesus' point here isn't that we have to be perfect before we can speak truth to somebody else. Because if that were the case, none of us would ever be able to speak God's standard to somebody else. Because none of us will ever be perfect. Jesus would be the only person that would ever be able to confront somebody else. But what this means is we, we have to be striving to apply God's standard to ourselves. We have to at least be striving to live up to God's standard in our own life before we start to apply that to somebody else. Two main ways I, I see people falling short of this, that I, I struggle at times and fall short of this in my own life. First of all, we, we fall short at times when we have blind spots in our own life where we're, we're pressing somebody else, you need to follow the standard, but yet we don't see that we're falling short of it. Right? Like, the guy who continues to blast politicians and say, oh, politicians are all liars and thieves, 
but yet he goes and cheats on his tax return. Right, that, that's not universally applying the standard first to ourselves before we apply it to somebody else. We need to make sure we have that consistency in our own life. And the thing is, usually the sins that we most easily see in other people are the sins that we most struggle with ourselves. And so we need to look at ourselves first. Am I striving to live up to God's standards? Before I start to press that on somebody else. Uh, another way we, we often fall short of applying God's standards to our, ourselves first is when we emphasize things in God's moral law that we do well while de-emphasizing things that we struggle with. Right? This is the person that's always hammering on homosexuality is evil and then goes home and looks at heterosexual porn on their computer. It, it's all sin. It's all breaking God's standard. And it, it doesn't matter if I'm good in one area and not so good in, in another area. It's all God's standard. And, and we need to all understand that all of us at some places fall short of God's standards. And so we, we need to apply that standard to ourselves before we impress it on other people. And the, the main thing is we just need to be people of integrity and consistency. Not perfect, but people who understand that, man, I, I need to apply God's standard. I need to admit that some sometimes I mess up in following God's standards. And then we can go and, and we can help somebody else when, when we've done that. And oftentimes the, the best hope for Somebody else struggling in sin is, is somebody who's gone through that themselves. Somebody who's willing to say, hey, I, I see you're struggling with this sin issue. Man, I, I, I've struggled with that too. Here's what I'm doing to, to try and be better, to try and be more like Jesus. Let, let me help you to be more like Jesus too. We don't have to be perfect, but we, we need to be humble and we need to be striving ourselves to follow God's standards. So we need to see that there is a standard, and we need to understand the standard, and we need to strive ourselves to be following it. Then we can go out and start to try and impact some other people. And so what does it look like then for us to, to confront some other people? What, what is some guidance that God can give us if we're actually going to go and, and try and confront an individual or, or try and speak truth into our culture? And I just want to look at three examples of confrontation in the Bible that can help give us some guidance in confronting other people. Look at Galatians 2, 11 through 14. Galatians 2, 11 through 14. I have too many bookmarks. I don't know which one it is. Galatians 2, starting at verse 11. But when Cephas, uh, Cephas is another name for Peter, so, but when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said, 
to Peter before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And so we see in this passage Paul confronting Peter, and we see Paul being very frank with, with Peter, saying, You messed up. Here is clearly where you messed up, where you've fallen short of God's standard. And what we need to understand in here is that Peter is a guy who was an apostle. He had walked with Jesus. He had been a Christian for a while. He was a leader in the church. He was a mature believer. He should have known God's standard. And so when Paul confronts him, he doesn't beat around the bush. He's, he's pretty frank. You, you should know God's standard. Here's what it is. Here's where you're falling short. And so sometimes in confrontation, we need to just be frank, right? Especially when we're dealing with people that should know better. Sometimes we just need to clearly say, hey, you've messed up. Here's where you messed up. But sometimes we need to handle things differently than that. Ephesians 6, 4, let's turn there. And we see in Ephesians 6, Paul's giving some instruction to children and to parents and in Ephesians 6 4 Paul says fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord and so sometimes children need confronted and corrected but here's the thing Paul says when when you're a father dealing with a child don't be too overly harsh that you provoke them to anger, that you, you turn them away from listening to you, that you lose the opportunity to speak truth into their lives. Sometimes with children, you need to be a little more gentle. You can't just be completely in their face all over them about it. Sometimes they need to be shown some grace, and they need instruction and teaching and guidance. Why is that? Because sometimes a child may not even know or understand what they're doing is wrong or why it's wrong. And so when they're corrected, they need shown some grace, some instruction to be shown why what they're doing is wrong. And so this is true sometimes, especially with younger believers, children in the faith. They're, they're maybe not children by their age, they're maybe adults by their age, but they're just starting their walk with Jesus. And, and so they need correction, but they need corrected in gentleness and, and with grace. They need instructed, this is why this is God's standard. This is how you're falling short. This is how you should follow God. And so they need some grace and, and some instruction in their correction. Not just, frankly, confronted like with Peter. And so sometimes we, we show grace and we, we give instruction, some gentleness in our correction, in our confrontation. And then the, the final example I want to look at is John 4. And I mentioned this earlier. John's, John 4 is Jesus speaking the, to this Samaritan woman at the well. And this is a, a longer reading here, so bear with me. John 4, starting at verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. 
The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. And so first of all, this woman, at the beginning of this interaction with Jesus, she's not a Christ follower at this point. Uh, she's maybe not even really a, a God follower at this point. She doesn't even really have much of a, a relationship with God, and definitely not a relationship with Jesus yet at this point. And so God treats her differently than the people we've talked about in the examples already. And Jesus is clear to point out to her that God has a standard. And Jesus is clear with her where she's fallen short of that standard in the area of marriage. But what I want us to see is, well, while Jesus is clear about this standard, he, he doesn't make that the main thing. His emphasis isn't, woman, you've messed up in marriage, you need to go fix this. His point with her, his main emphasis with her is, woman, you... You need a Messiah, you, you need a Savior, and, and you need Jesus in your life. And, and so do you, do you see, do you understand what's going on there? Because this can teach us a lot as we deal with people who aren't Christians. That it, it's alright to be clear, this is what God teaches, this is what we believe about right or wrong. But... We can't make that the main focus of our, our conversation with them. The main thing that they need to know and the main thing that they need is a Savior. They, they need to know that Jesus loved them and, and died for them and, and they need Jesus in their life. And then when Jesus enters into, your, into their life, when they receive the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit starts to work on that other stuff. Where they've fallen short of the standard. And so it's alright to tell them there is a standard, but we need to be clear with them. Their first need is of a Savior, just like our first need is of a Savior, because we've fallen short of the standard in many ways as well. And so through these examples, we see that we need to approach different people in different ways. That we can't confront all people the same, that, that we need to understand where people are at, in their walk with Jesus, if they even have a walk with Jesus. And that affects how we talk to them about God's Word, how we approach them about their lifestyle. And so hopefully that, that gives you a little bit of guidance. Like I said, this isn't a complete exhaustive uh, manual on dealing with confrontation, but hopefully this gives us some insight, some things to start thinking of how can I impact the people around me? How can I impact the culture? And how can I do it in a way that's not just harshness and bitterness, but in a way that's actually going to be effective in seeing lives changed and seeing people know Jesus and grow closer to Jesus? Now, I just want to wrap this up with three words 
for us to, to be continually thinking about when we face confrontation. And those words are honesty, understanding, and love. That we, we need to have honesty. That we, we need to be honest with ourselves about what God's standards are. We need to be honest with ourselves about where we stand in light of God's standards and, and how we're doing ourselves in following God's standards. And we, we need to have honesty and integrity with other people. To not come off as perfect people, but to, to let them know that, hey, we don't perfectly follow God's standards either. We're, we're trying, we're striving, we're, we're working on it. But to be honest enough with ourselves and with others of where the standard is and, and where we are in regard to that. We need to have understanding, to understand where the other person is at and how best to approach them. Do we need to just be frank and blunt with them and say, you, you should know better? Or do we need to show them grace and kindness and, and instruct them, hey, let me guide you along in, in how to do this better? Or, or do we need to say, hey, here's the standard, but more importantly, you just need to know that Jesus is your Savior. And then finally, are we doing all this in love? Remember, the, the goal of God's moral law, why God gave it to us, wasn't so that God could make us all agree with God. It's because that God could make us all do what God wanted us, us to do. But God gave it to us because he knew this is what is best for us. This is how to best utilize our life. And we should have that same heart attitude as we approach other people. It's, it's not about arguing them into agreeing with us on all of God's standards. It's about here is this thing that can help you in your life. God can help you to live your life a little bit better, to, to do things a little bit better, to avoid some pain and hurt. And I want to help guide you in that. I, I want to love you through that. And so as we approach, as we confront other people, we need to have honesty, we need to have understanding, and we need to have love. And hopefully through that and through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life and in the lives of other people, We'll see some awesome changes and we'll see some, some awesome growth towards being like Jesus. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Lord God, Father, I thank you for your word. I, I thank you that you have given us this standard. You've given us an, an instruction manual for life. Help us to be able to apply that to our, our own lives and, and be striving to grow in that and be better at that. Help us to, to share that user manual with other people not so that we can argue other people to believing and being like us but that we can show other people god has something good for you god wants good things for your life and it it means knowing jesus as your savior it means being obedient to what god has has shown us we should do and so help us to to have grace and have mercy and, and be less hostile and less bitter in confrontation. To be more loving, to be more honest and understanding and more loving. Lord God, we want to see you change us. We want to see you change our community. We want to see you change our world, Lord God. Please move and, 
And please just do great things that only you can do. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.